0: Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Run Alive podcast, the podcast that explores the relationship between running, coaching and personal growth. I'm Ed Perry and with me is Gary Armstrong.
1: Hi Ed, so excited to be starting this podcast journey with you and getting our first guest on in just a couple of minutes But some people have already been asking me, why are we doing this podcast?
0: Well, for me, why I'm doing it is because I love running. But more than that, I found that running has made such a difference to my life. Getting fitter and training for goals has made me more disciplined, happier, and generally a better person in all areas of life, at work and at home as well. Put simply, it's made me come alive. And the idea behind this podcast is to explore that area of overlap between running coaching, and personal growth that if we get right, can make us all really sing.
1: Uh, For my part, Ed, I've always loved running too. I've loved the feeling it gives me in the moment, but also the chance to achieve things, be challenged and to grow as a person in the process. It's also been a place I can go to spend time away from the rest of my life and perhaps puzzle a few things out while I'm doing it. Like you, I see the way running has helped me to grow and the chance to bring it together with my other passion of coaching people was just too good to pass up. But Ed, how is this podcast going to work?
0: Well, each week, we're going to hear from a guest about a specific period in their life that we can all learn from. We'll hear a bit of their story, and we're hoping to be able to share some of our reflections and experience in a useful way at the end of each episode, drawing out some simple learnings and things that we can all go and do, inspired by our guest. We hope you'll get to know us as people a little bit more in those segments. But if you want to know a bit more about us to start with, you can go and listen to the teaser episode or check out the website, runalive.co.uk.
1: You can also follow us and connect with us on Instagram or LinkedIn. Just search for the Run Alive podcast or run underscore alive on Insta.
0: We've got some great guests coming up. And our second episode with Alex O'Gorman will be releasing tomorrow, so you don't even have to wait a week to listen to it. But then do hit subscribe on your podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. We'll be releasing them every Friday after that.
1: Well, let's get on with episode one then, shall we? This week's theme is holding true to your values. And the guest is an elite ultra runner and environmental campaigner. who's recently gone through a process of working out his personal values and how hard to stick to them when faced with a world and a system that's not set up for it yet.
2: What I've done over a period of years, I suppose, is is reevaluate what, uh, I suppose, what sort of person and athlete I want to be. And I used to fly on average three times a year to, to races around Europe. Um, and over time I've realized I suppose, the size of the footprint or or how much that added to my footprint and and how bad that is for the the planet.
0: I always think of values as really important as a guiding principle to life, but with a sensible and realistic practical application of them.
2: We had this conversation right at the beginning. Do we want, are we like, are we just going to be vegans who never fly, who never buy new kit? And then we'll end up with, yeah, we'll just be a weird eco cult, really. Like, how many people are going to go that extreme? How many people are that devoted or can do that?
1: And when you're clear on the values that you hold, it's really important to figure out where the line of no compromise is and to really appreciate the importance of sticking up for them at the right time.
2: If people think they have five minutes free in a week, I would say email your your MP or save those five minutes up and join a protest, nudge for system change rather rather than personal footprint stuff.
0: Our first guest on the Run Alive podcast is ultra runner and environmental campaigner, Damien Hall.
2: My name's Damien. I'm a 47-year-old father of two and and an ultra runner. Um, And lately, uh, I suppose, uh, yeah, I I suppose I'm an author as well, although that doesn't spring as readily to mind. But yeah, a runner and a father are the, the
0: most important things. What makes you come alive? uh well certainly running is one thing um
2: and i do get asked a lot kind of like why why run sort of stupidly long distances that sound you know to the to the outsider to the non-convert running 100 miles or or even much further you know it sounds um well ridiculous uh uh, i suppose and pointless and um but really that's usually what i come back to that, that those experiences make make me feel alive um because you do go through the whole sort of gamut of emotions usually from from hopefully hopefully a lot of the happy ones sort of euphoria at the end and things like that um hopefully but but often there's a sense of you know you've got yes yeah, certainly lots of doubt and it's not real fear you shouldn't hopefully you don't fear for your life but there's certainly fears and doubts and disappointment and frustration um but usually that'll be mingled with with the other good stuff as well um so you can almost, when I set up for a new race that, that's going to be a long one, I can almost guarantee I'm going to have sort of 24 hours of just feeling most of the emotions. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so, so those, those running experiences certainly help me feel alive.
0: <laughs> and sometimes it's a lot more than 24 hours, isn't it? You've, you've just come back from the Barclay Marathon, which is a famously brutal and you know, huge monumental event wrapped in secrecy and uh, intrigue and uh, tradition odd traditions, what was your first experience of running that race like
2: Oh it was amazing um yeah I just I just loved it to be honest it it, it does feel of course for those people who have been interested in that event and the, there's only very minimal film you know film footage from it and even that only comes from a couple of places. So when you get to those places, it honestly feels like a sort of um yeah you're on a film set. It feels surreal. Um, meeting meeting Laz is um yeah I was genuinely kind of you know I've met a lot of um very good ultra runners and and they're just my mates you know I, I they're just the same as me. But meeting Laz, I was quite tongue-tied, quite sort of oh what do I say? What what's he going to say? Um, and and then yeah being out on the course and then those two or three special moments like I suppose by the yellow gate. Um, being in camp that you've seen so many photos of yeah it's, it's it's hard to describe but then the rest of the course is a mystery so it's um, a really nice combination of two or three spots that are sort of I suppose I, I don't like the word iconic but you know sort of universally famous and well known in, in, within running and then and then the rest of it's a, a big bad mystery um, so yeah yes. I just loved it
0: for anyone who hasn't heard of it can you give us a quick rundown of what's actually required and uh, and how it works
2: i don't know if i can do a quick one um <laughs> yeah there there are lots of lots of aspects that make it different to uh, to pretty much any other race um it's it's a it's a loop uh, a loop in some woods in tennessee um those woods are very very steep there's no marked trail uh instead you have to find books um Uh, in the woods um, to prove you've followed the right trail and and you do a loop that that is claimed to be 20 miles but is probably 26 and um, the amount of vert is probably about 13,000 foot of vert each time so that's a lot so if you do a complete Barkley that'll be sort of two UTMBs Um, so it's a lot of climb you're mostly hiking steeply uphill or tumbling sliding downhill And then, of course, a lot of that is in the dark. And then sometimes he spins you around and sends you back the other way, just when you've got used to one direction. Um, And yeah, since 1986, only 17 people have ever (laughs) done the five loops that that count as a finish. And and even when that happens, often they're quite close to the 60-hour cutoff. So I mean, there are loads more aspects to it, such as you know, it's not—it's a secret how you get in and things like that. It's—it's a a secret (laughs) when the date is. there are lots of aspects like that that make it yeah pretty pretty fascinating pretty um mythical almost in ultra running so I, I was I felt very privileged very lucky to to be able to have a go
0: and you you completed four out of the five loops mm. that's a pretty amazing achievement
2: yeah um well yeah I, I I I did a blog on my website about it and and sort of I didn't I still don't know if I feel you know is my glass four fifths full (laughs) or or one fifth empty because that year there were three finishes and the weather was fantastic Mm. probably one of the best weather years so it was a great opportunity to to be able to finish it that so I feel some frustration um and and really yeah I I had physically I was good I, I think I feel I was up to another loop and and mentally I wanted to do another loop uh but yeah just there was just one book that just eluded me so that was very frustrating um so that yeah that frustrates me at the same time I suppose yeah only 17 people have finished the race and only 19 people have started a have started a, a fifth loop so I'm in that 19 so that's quite cool if I suppose if I you know can't ever try again um at least I've got that but but yeah so a mixture of sort of pride, pride and satisfaction with with frustration too um
1: yeah It's immense. And just back to this idea of what makes you come alive and and sort of feeling fully yourself. Can you, in that whole enormous experience, can you, are there, is there one particular moment or can you pinpoint a few moments where you had just a real realisation of just, wow, this is incredible. I'd rather, (laughs) I'm either so glad I'm doing this or this is just an an extraordinary experience. I
2: don't know. Um, I mean, I felt very very this is um this will sound disingenuous but this is honestly true the photographers there's i think three or maybe four photographers there and that was it they keep it very limited to um the access the campground is small and you simply need to control those numbers um and there was a stage or two uh so when they see you they can only photograph you at two places so they've got like 12 hours um an average loop is about 12, maybe 12 hours for the faster runners and they're going to see you twice and they need those photos and they know how precious those photos are so there was one stage we were we were actually um me and john kelly and one or two others were in transition in this toilet block because it's lovely and warm in there um and the photographers are just going mad just snap 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 and i kept smiling at them because i was at the time it's still fairly early i was having a great time but none of those photos have appeared anywhere because <laughs> <laughs> i realized they want they want photos of doom and despair
0: and suffering. Yeah. yeah. I
2: mean, <laughs> later on, I was pulling those faces, but honestly, early on, partly because, you know, the weather was pretty kind, it did get cold, but it was sunny in the day. Um, and I mean, that, to me, that's dream dream scenario, mm. cold, but sunny. Um, yeah, I was honestly just felt very lucky a lot of the time to be there um, and, and very grateful of the opportunity. Um, and then, yeah, maybe that huge amount of anguish right at the end of like, I can't find this book. I look for an hour. And then, I don't know if you've heard, but like Jasmine Paris came the other way and, and found it straight away, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> there might be a gender stereotype in there as well about how well women <laughs> I tend to
1: look for things. Oh, extraordinary. Um, so how t- tell us a little bit about how you kind of put an, um lens of environmental impact over your participation in the Barclays, because you you are famously now um advocating in that space so much more aware and a real uh, kind of active role model what what did that mean for that particular event itself and how you went about doing it well yeah i
2: mean it's hugely it's hugely compromising obviously for for someone to claim to care massively about the environment and then fly across the uh, fly across the atlantic um i would say i what i've done over a period of years i suppose is is reevaluate what uh, I suppose what sort of person and athlete I want to be. And I used to fly on average three times a year to, to races mm-hmm. around Europe. Um, and over time, I've realized, I suppose, the size of the footprint or, or how much that added to my footprint and, and how bad that is for the for the planet. And, and also, I suppose, the simple fact of often in Europe, you can get trains. Um, I, I appreciate that they're not always as affordable to everyone. But um, that was a bit eye-opening, actually. Like I used to fly to UTMB and now I can get the train it's a it is more expensive it doesn't take that much longer actually only about two hours when I've done it so that's quite an easy thing to to change in, in European races for me anyway uh getting to America was trickier and I did look genuinely into sort of um boat options um mm. they do take a lot longer as you could imagine and I mean ultimately I've got kids um I think if I didn't have kids being away for three four weeks um, would be less of an issue. But ultimately, I, yeah, I don't want them to forget who I am. But yeah, that that was compromising, especially as me. And um, Jasmine did similar. We're both co-founders of the Green Runners. So that, mm-hmm. um, but that has always been, right from the beginning, we we had this really good discussion. There are about 12 founding members of the Green Runners, and we're almost exactly a year old, have nearly nearly a 1,000 members now. Um, we had this conversation right at the beginning. Do we want, are we like, are we just going to be vegans who never fly, who never buy new kit? And then we'll end up with, yeah, we'll just be a weird eco-cult, really. Like, how many people are going to go that extreme? How many people mm. are that devoted or can do that? You know, so I've got friends who, who sort of have split families across across the world, and it's not fair to expect them to never never fly. It's not their fault. You know, n- none of the system is, is in the fault of individuals. So, so we right from the beginning, we are all about pr- progress, not perfection. Mm. Um, so in a way, I mean, this won't go down well with everyone, but in a way, it was a good way to talk about yeah, no one's expecting to never fly again or, or or go vegan um but can we improve on those aspects of our own personal footprint um however beyond that that side of things and this is what i tried to look into in in my book how much is concentrating our own personal footprint the answer because you know if we're cutting out um red meat and and uh you know stopping flying but a coal power but a coal power. You know a coal mine opens up down the road that was the, <laughs> that was the mm. issue not not whether I have a sausage um so yeah, we have to get off fossil fuels as quickly as possible um but the way to do that it seems from from reading around a lot and listening to um campaigners and scientists, you know we have to nudge the government and we have to nudge these companies to move away from fossil fuels. That's what the i p c c scientists are telling us. We have to do that as quickly as possible, so I think the helpful way for people who care about this stuff yes individual footprint stuff is significant it's important uh for several reasons but we've got to try and nudge the system Mm -hmm. we've got to try and and you're speaking to me i'm a lot of people are going to london this this weekend for the big one arranged by extinction rebellion and numerous organizations including the green runners to protest you know to make a noise so the government knows that we care and that they should be making these changes so for example they still subsidize big oil to the tune of billions uh, and yet scientists say we need to move away fossil fuels and the government still subsidize them so that that doesn't that's a bit weird isn't it like that's a bit odd Mm. scientists say we need to do that and the government aren't doing that so um that's the bigger picture that's where people should focus um but yeah most of us want to make lifestyle improvements anyway um and yeah there are kind of three big ones to focus on but it's you know People, I, I don't. Th- I definitely meet people who agonise over t- tiny decisions, and I, I'd honestly, if people, if people think they have five minutes free in a week, I would say email your, email your MP or save those five mm-hmm. minutes up and join a protest. Mm-hmm. Um, nudge for system change um, rather than rather than personal footprint stuff. I would I would be what I urge people to do.
0: Yeah, that's great. I'm. I read about this weekend. And you're running. You're organising a relay round Parliament Square, the Green Green Runners. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's the plan at the moment. Yeah, people are. It is. It is London Marathon weekend as well, which is purely a coincidence, I believe. Uh, and and I know some people are running the marathon and are a bit worried about um, <laughs> protests. But I, I'm 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 confident that yeah, extinction. Neither an extinction rebellion or the green runners have any uh any interests in in uh, disrupting any of that. Um, because um, well, yeah, we. I, I don't think we want to piss good good people off. We want to uh, piss the bad people off.
0: <laughs> so i uh, yeah love to hear a little bit more about this um about the the you, talk, you talked about this, the the changes that individuals can make and then obviously individuals can come together to put pressure and make larger ta- uh, larger scale changes as well but what was it like for you when you became when you kind of started to make that started to read more about this and understand about it and became made that change start to make those changes in your own life? Because, um, you know, as as I'm reading your book, I'm thinking, oh, right, okay, so how do I take my life as it is now and start to make some of those changes myself?
2: That's a great question. Let me just, I just wanted to add something to the previous yeah. question while I, while I remember, because my mind works increasingly slowly nowadays. Every, every time I run 100 <laughs> miles or more, it seems to slow down even more. When I think about <laughs> now the travel involved to a race, I have a checklist of three things, um, and this is after consulting with with sort of sustainability experts and so on and scientists there's a checklist of three things how important is it really um can i get you know what's the best way i can get there or the lowest carbon way that's realistic you know we're not going to cycle halfway across europe that's not realistic or fair even Uh, but you know a train is better than a plane if possible Mm. not always possible but if possible and then thirdly can i how can i make the most out of the trip Um, so for barclay for me that was the number one race i wanted to in the world i was on the wait list for two years and in the meantime i've sort of scraped other lists off saying actually i'd have to fly to that i'm not going to do that race and i've turned away some very attractive races to places mm-hmm. like bhutan and japan um that yeah and, and places in africa and that uh, previously i would have gone oh yes please and, and now i can't quite they're not important enough to me that but that one was um and then yeah i discussed thinking about boats that wasn't realistic and then thirdly yeah I but i suppose it turned it into a two-week trip to time and make the most of it um and jasmine went there she sort of her husband, she visited a brother in New York, for example, and her husband went with her and actually had a work conference there at the same time. So she did a really good, and she was there, yeah, less time, but actually fitted in a lot more. So that that's seen as a legitimate way to be better at, at this sort of stuff. So
0: that's the idea of making the most out of the travel while you're there and adding yeah. things into it and whether it's holiday yeah. or work or whatever that might be. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so yeah, that's just to add on to, on onto that previous question. In terms of personal lifestyle choices, um, The easy way for people to think about things, I'll start as as a non-runner. It's simply four things: it's your home, your energy for your home, your travel, your diet, and the things you buy. Those are the four areas. They're the four sort of quarters of most people's individual footprint. Um, For your home energy, it's it's as simple as changing changing to a renewable energy supplier. Um, That could so yeah. That's roughly. I mean, all these things are more complex than they sound. So a lot of that energy might often still goes back into the grid, for example, but. If we support companies like Ecotricity, um, you know, if everyone's doing that, then that becomes the, the main thing. So that's, that's the first one. The diet, um, I think most people know now, yeah, the, the, the less meat and dairy we have, the better for the planet. Now, no one's no one's saying everyone has to go vegan. That's just not gonna happen, is it? Because people like the burgers and sausages, but we probably all need to have a bit less, especially, especially beef and lamb. Um, and then thirdly, travel, probably, well, yeah, it'd be interesting. Obviously, flying is the worst aspect of that, but under that, it gets quite interesting actually, because say a car journey with four people in is actually about the same as a train journey. Um so the difference between you driving on your own to a race and getting two or three mates in, uh, or or some sort of lift chair with strangers if that if that suits for you, doesn't won't suit everyone, that's actually significantly that's that's decent. Um but yeah, most cases public transport or even yeah, cycling or running even better. But yeah, like we're all human and, and it's not you know yeah in ideal world i cycle everywhere right but if a race is in scotland you know it's not it's, it's not going to happen i don't think people should beat themselves up about it like perfection is is elusive and then the things we buy um i mean for a runner that's yeah that's our kit that's our shoes and i think in the running world and obviously it could also be watches and treadmills and and kettlebells and and things i mean if you buy something and you use it that's that's sort of fair and fine really, isn't it? I mean, but the problem is when we sort of over consume and of course all these companies want us to, so they're, they're making more than they need to make and they're trying to tell us the new one is so much better than the old one. And, and shoes is, is the classic example of that. You know, we're constantly told we need a different pair for this and this and this. And, um, and, and then there's a new version that's so much better than the last version. And we should throw our shoes out after 300 miles. And that, that's actually huge. Um, it sounds insignificant shoes, but, um the, the trainer industry globally is 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 responsible for about the same emissions as the entire United Kingdom. So it's it's <laughs> wow. it, again, that you could dispute that with one or two things, but like it's that sort of ballpark. Uh, so that's I mean that's pretty shocking. And then all those sh- shoes, none of them are recyclable or or um I actually all right. One or two companies now have just brought out recyclable shoes, but it's just such a small amount in the whole grand scheme of things. They're nearly all in landfill or being burnt. So that if they're being burnt, both <laughs> those things add emissions. So yeah. So um, there's a lot to yeah <laughs> running quite right now. And in terms
0: of tra- kind of transitioning your life t- from how it was to how it is now, like how long did that take you? And what what you know you personally, what were the what were the difficult bits?
2: So yeah, the, the easy one was just switching energy supplier. Um, you know, you can do do that in a flash online. Um, I think I pay the same or less and and feel better about that. Um, I suppose the more interesting one was maybe like switching diet. Um so I did a few challenges. I, I was I wasn't even vegetarian, um, but I did a few challenges like long distance record attempts where I thought, well, I'll try and do this as you know, as as eco-friendly as possible. So I'll go without meat and dairy. But also what I tried to do was like I was like, well, plastic's a big problem, isn't it? I'll try and do it without plastic waste. On and this is like a running the pen way, so it's like three days effectively. So there's a lot of food um and actually trying to dodge plastic waste was so hard you know you think all the crisps and the bars and the um even often our fruit and veg comes in plastic although sometimes that is um good actually sometimes uh, if it's if it's if it's um counteracting potential waste say our bananas come in plastic bags often that's making the bananas not not sort of go off so plastics plastics are a frustrating thing because we all think paper bags are better but sometimes they're not actually because paper bags Cost more emissions to make, um, and of course, if we off, if they rip or get wet and they're not actually all that use anyway. If we reuse plastic, plastic's actually uh, brilliant. But but yeah, I tried to a uh, plastic waste, um, and funnily enough, I picked up litter as well as I went. And like, actually, when because that record attempt was successful, it got a, a little bit of media attention, and and all the media outlets loved that I p- picked up litter, even though that's like the pretty much the lowest on the rung of things you can do. But it did give me a chance to talk about wider issues, I suppose. But where was I going with all of this? Yeah, lifestyle stuff.
0: What was difficult?
2: Well, um, I've actually found turning vegan pretty easy and fun. Um, but I've done it at the glory-hunting end of things. Like I I'll meet a vegan who's you know been doing it for 10 years and they'll be like, It's it's so much easier now. And I'm like, it's so easy, yeah. We're... And they'll be like, 10 years ago, it was we just ate bread and chips and that was it. Um uh so I find <laughs> yeah, it's trendy now to be a vegan. And I yeah, so it's relatively straightforward in this country anyway. Uh, when I go abroad it's sometimes a bit more difficult and but travel yeah travel's the hard one um I was doing three races a year three exciting international races but I mean lockdown came along at quite a nice time we had that whole year when most of us didn't didn't fly or travel um and that made me sort of realize oh uh, well do I need to you know um and then can I do things better so I managed to go kind of three years without without a flight um partly yeah partly changing my ambitions of which races really mattered to me and then partly traveling better when I did um but then yeah that's become difficult because I haven't been able to keep that up this year I've, I've decided one race matters enough to me to to fly um and of course that yeah that, that not everyone you know some people are really supportive not everyone is uh, I guess I'm only talking about online keyboard commandos really but um yeah that's a trickier one and then if I'm totally honest Traveling for training, I find that difficult. So I'm trying to compete in mountain races, and I live in Wiltshire. So um, getting to my nearest sort of mountains or lumps of the Bracken Beacons, it is possible to get there sort of on public transport, or at least to the edge of the Brecon Beacons. But it takes so much longer um, that I'll, I'll be honest. I do still do you know some some single-occupant car journeys there and back. Not always, you know. Sometimes it's shared with a friend, but I I, I feel what's the word how do I feel about that yeah I wish I could do that better or I wish um I suppose yeah ultimately yeah an electric car isn't affordable to me at the moment and that's exactly where we go back to system change because the government that really cared could make them more viable more you know shift shift the subsidizing from big oil to to electric vehicles I believe there have been some subsidies, but they've been cut back recently and then yeah with kit just making yeah taking less or buying less and making it last longer really it's um um well, I think once you realise the the sort of impact they have, the, the making of your kit especially, and, and what it might be if you throw it away, then it's quite easy to sort of, well, not quite easy, but but easier to sort of go, well, do I really need the new pair? Probably don't yet.
1: There's, there's a bit of a thread, Damien, about what you, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but let me check kind of what, what you attach value to as a person has maybe changed a bit in this process. And you've talked about now what, is an important race to you and what isn't and whether you feel you maybe need that new piece of kit or not. Have you been conscious of a bit of a reordering of some of your personal values and maybe framing yourself a bit differently to change how you live on the planet?
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um Yeah. My goal of running has changed. It was, it was, how can I be the best athlete I can, I suppose. And now it's how can I use running? How can I use running to, I suppose, share a message or, um yeah I'll try and leave a better planet for my kids and their kids um i don't, I don't want that to sound a bit too grandiose I, I, you know i'm just one little guy rabbiting on about this stuff but but what's been brilliant is uh in the other green members sort of green runners members the founding members but also all these people who were like yeah 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 yeah, jumping on uh, we're all around the world now um that's been wonderful and, and like really reassuring because other people care too and they're supportive and. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's it's really frightening. You know, people get genuine sort of eco anxiety. Uh, I don't know if I've really had that or not, but I've certainly lost sleep over over all of this. And, and yeah, putting the book together was exhausting, and, and wanting to make sure I sort of got it right and stuff. Um, yeah, but it, to me, it's become yeah, my almost yeah, probably my purpose really. Um, so yeah, yeah, and I've literally my pledge on um, for the Green Runners on sort of speaking out. Our fourth pillar was yet yeah, to be to be more annoying about this sort of stuff. Um, So I'm sort of sorry if I'm annoying you, but uh, sort of not.
1: (laughs) Not at all, helpfully, helpfully (laughs) annoying. And I suppose what I wonder is you are, you're an established kind of presence in the running world. I guess what I'm wondering is, could you have made that sort of transition that almost that shift in purpose earlier or at a different stage of your career, do you think? Or do you think it becomes easier when you're established? You know, I'm not, I'm not sort of hunting for a headline here or anything. I'm just wondering, did you have to, you know, is it easier for you maybe because you are established and you've got so much success behind you and so on, you can shift your purpose. Do you think it's possible for people who are coming up a bit more to, to, to do this more mindfully with a view to the planet?
2: That's a, yeah, that's a great question. I haven't had that before. Um. The truth is, I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of started acting, I suppose, when, yeah, it was extin- seeing Extinction Rebellion protests in London and thinking, oh, what, what are they, why do they think it's so urgent? What are they, what are they so worried about? And I'd seen the headlines that, you know, polar bears are running out of ice, but it was hard to sort of relate that to my, to my world and then it was actually Dan and Dan and Charlotte at Rerun Clothing. Dan Lawson's a record-breaking GB Ultra Runner. Um, they were sounding the alarm about our, our kit, really. And then it was like, oh, it does affect running. Um, and then I must say, yeah, like the whole sort of sponsored athlete thing has been really interesting. I, I started pushing, I suppose, politely pushing back against people who sponsor me and sort of saying, well, you know, I really care about this stuff now. What, what are you guys doing? Um, and that's actually been really, really interesting. So um, – I would say yeah my main my main sponsor innovate have been really supportive and honest as far as i could tell and accommodating and um understanding and that you know they're not perfect and they know they're not but that it it sounds like they're really sort of making progress in the right ways some of it won't grab headlines but i'm i'm okay being with them for now it's something i reevaluate constantly and and we renegotiate sort of what my role is with them because yeah, if I'm banging on about buy this kit, buy this kit on social media, you know, that, that doesn't fit with, you know, we're in overconsumption crisis. So I'm, I'm very reluctant to do that. Um, and then I've lost, I've deliberately lost some sponsors because I didn't think, you know, I sort of gave them a chance. I I felt to sort of at least show they care. The, people are on different stages of the journey. And if people are new, I don't, I don't have any problem with it, whether it's a person or a, or an event or a brand saying, Hey, we're a bit behind here, but what can we do? You know, I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but yeah, I just felt two or three brands were, were misunderstanding or not not um, not moving quickly enough. Um, but yeah, it would be harder for a less established. What's the word? I suppose a newer athlete. I, I suppose.
1: I've I've got one. I just one one thing I'd love to say. So so reading your book has changed one thing forever for me. Lots of things, by the way. Some oh. some. Um... You'll
2: never read any books
1: again because that one was too rubbish. Well, no, not at all. <laughs> there are some terrors. If it did put me off books, it's just the fear of what I might find out about the truth about the world. Like there are microplastics in our blood and in oh, our lungs. I mean, that I, you can't forget that once yeah. you read that. Thanks, Damien. <laughs> um, so, but, but what it did make me realize, you know, I buy the occasional running magazine, the occasional cycling magazine. I'm not afraid to admit that on this podcast. You do suddenly realize that you're being marketed to an enormous amount. Not in every one of those publications, not in everything. But an enormous amount, which I think then takes me back to your systemic change point, which is this is very deeply the consumption is very deeply embedded in something which is fun and and is great for us running. It's quite deeply intertwined, doesn't it? So it's quite hard to to sort of pull them apart and make this change happen. I'm, you know, telling you what you know, but it's so important that people like you are doing what you do in the way you're doing it because they have to be teased apart a bit, right? Yeah, and I'm not I'm not
2: an economist. I don't like it's easy for me to say companies need to you know make less but if I was in charge of a company of course I I think I'd be scratching my head going well you know what, what how does that work um but there is mm-hmm. you know there's a book a book called degrowth uh, which is all of and and donut economics I must admit I haven't read that one yet but it's uh, it's um on my shelf uh ready to be read um there are people thinking this through of like how do economies go forward because you know I don't want to well, I don't mind if I sound like a Marxist, to be honest, but like capitalism has an inherent problem, which is it's so dependent on eternal growth um, and the idea of profit, profit, profit. And that is, you know, it's wrecking the planet. So it's, we've got to stop making things for the point of making things. So,
0: so, I mean, I think you've come across as very real and very honest in terms of the individual changes that you can make and the way that you weigh them up. And also, just sort of non-judgmental in in terms of like people are re, are living real lives and therefore yeah just just that you know thank you for being so open and honest about that we started off though talking about um a more macro level and the real changes that could be made if you know suddenly the coal fired power station isn't built or et cetera. so um almost as a point to finish perhaps you know, if there's a if there was something that you could change at a sort of global structural level or a government level, what would what would that thing what would that thing be that would you know would 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 be would would create long lasting change, tangible change?
2: Well, I mean, I am stepping outside of my box a bit here, but it it from what I can gather, you know, listening to scientists and, and and experts in this, you know, we've just got to move away from fossil fuels really quickly, and 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 our government and many governments subsidize, you know, oil and gas. And coal production, and, and we, you know, our government have just greenlit a, a new coal mine in Cumbria. Uh, that is a bit more complex than that, but like, because it's 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 for steel production or something. But like, that is the wrong message. And, and there are, and then in the North Sea, there are you know numerous prospective oil fields and gas fields, you know, um, out for tender that they could be starting them up when scientists have said we need to get away from oil and gas. So that seems to be the obvious thing we need to you know, and a renewable energy is is the sun. and 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 the wind and and apparently you know it's so much cheaper it's 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 quicker to set up and start using um and it's you know that is so much less harm to the to to the world um that on a global yeah that's the thing we have to get away from first it's, it's big big oil is the problem at the moment big ag agriculture is the secondary problem um but for now it's it's getting off big oil as fast as possible and i mean this is what i get criticized a lot for is yeah, like our clothes are made from oil, our packaging on a lot of our food is made from oil. Um, you know, it's all around us and we can't, you know, even people who know we need to get away from it are still using it. And and I, I get sometimes criticized for that, but it's like, that crystallizes the problem. I know we need to get away from it, but it's all around me and I'm having to use it. Um, and again, yeah, I mean, why not use that? Yeah, those, those subsidies that, for big oil towards renewable energy and, and you know, electric, electric vehicles. Yeah, they've got the problems too, but they're still better. Um, yeah, that would be the, the the number one thing to change.
0: So um where can people go to find out more about you, about Green Runners? Tell us about the pledges as well and what the idea behind the pledges? is. Um I'm keen to keen to consider some of those myself.
2: Oh well, good stuff, thank you. Um yeah, it's just thegreenrunners.com and all all we ask people to join is two or three quid, and that's simply for a bit of the towards the upkeep of the website, and you get a sort of green runner's badge. Um we decided to not, not make T-shirts because, uh, yeah, that, that would <laughs> not really work. But, but, yeah, there's a little badge that you can put on your T-shirt or, 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 or cap or, or pack or whatever you prefer. Um, and all you have to do is make one pledge, actually, on, our four, on one of our four pillars that, you, you know, you will, you will improve on, on either how you travel, how you eat, how you move, sorry, how you kit up and, and speaking up. Um, if you want to make a pledge on all four, then brilliant, but you only have to make one on one. Cause yeah, we're just trying to keep it realistic to people. Um, and like, I've got a, a good friend who, yeah, she's got a, she's in a relationship with someone in a different country and, you know, she's grown up on a, on a meat heavy diet. That's, that's from her culture. Um, no one's saying, right, you shouldn't ever eat that anymore. You shouldn't travel to that country. Like that's not, that's not fair or realistic, but, but could she improve on, on one of those or something else? um and yeah she she joined green runners i can 't remember her exact pledge, but yeah we 're not we 're just asking people to be i suppose realistic with themselves, but honestly to me, the most important one is speaking speaking up um and being annoying well you don 't have to be annoying that's me just being annoying but <laughs> but yeah speaking up and that could be social media that could be to your friends um it could be in your local running club uh it could be to a at a race where you are it could be just you know asking if they 've considered various things such as such as um trees not teas or or making things um accessible to runners on public transport um those sorts of things um
0: brilliant what's next for you personally
2: well um my next big race is is not till september i'm gonna go back to tour de gion which is um the tour Tour of giants in 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 the italian alps um 220 miles uh, allegedly um where yeah it takes three or four days i did that did that last year and and just yeah just loved it just big mountains um yeah, big circuit of big mountains, um, lots of lots of pasta. The tea tastes a bit weird over there, but I'll, I'll, I'll take my own tea bag <laughs> this time. And, um, yeah, just had a magical time and, and, yeah, keen to go back for more. And, yeah, fairly fairly accessible on public transport as well, which is which is nice as well. So, yeah, don't need to take a, another flight.
0: Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Damien. So grateful for you joining us on our first ever episode and um, you have re- I've really enjoyed this conversation. Your book, We Can't Run Away From This, is available now, out now, at all good bookshops. And anyone getting in touch with you um, can find you on social media, but also check out thegreenrunners.com for the pledges and the values we've spoken about. Gary, what a privilege to kick off our podcast speaking to a true world-class athlete.
1: Yeah, amazing to just hear him talk about his achievements, which to us seem absolutely monumental, um, but also just find him to be completely grounded as a person and also deeply embedded in thinking about what's going on on a global scale. Pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, I I was really impressed actually by his honesty and kind of his... Acceptance that he's not perfect, but really holding to those values and trying to work towards them in everything he does.
1: Yeah, um, that that did, did he say progress, not perfection? I'm not sure if that came up, but that was just the 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 spirit I took from him. So there's a real um, kind of kindness to yourself here, which um, is is really important with something as massive as climate change and our impact on the environment. I think it would be very easy to get potentially. Quite depressed as he talked about um but actually just doing what you can do uh and being realistic about that really important
0: mm, yeah i mean i do i must admit in reading his book there were times where i was feeling a little overwhelmed by mm. all the things that i'm not doing and should be doing mm. um so it was very refreshing to speak to him and hear him say look you know there are some important things there are some things to think about we're not all expecting everyone to go vegan and never travel again kind of thing. Um, that was encouraging.
1: Yeah, hugely encouraging. And, and I wonder if he is um, constantly in, in process and in progress on this himself and, and negotiating with what you kind of need to do to, to live a life. Sadly, being a human being does generate a carbon footprint. Um, but then how, do you, how can you do that in the most responsible way? What are the mm. things that you can really do to to, to minimize your footprint? I, he struck me as someone who's willing to in, constantly engage with that in a very realistic way, but in a way that's determined to to be better each and every day.
0: Yeah. The other thing that really struck me was, um, obviously, we talked about the Barclay Marathons and the fact that he's flown across the Atlantic to get there and air travel mm. being one of the biggest pollutants. and. He was obviously kind of ready for that question, and you know, must have been asked it several times. Mm-hmm. Um, probably had it thrown at him uh, as a criticism over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for us to recognise and call out the fact that we live in a world of judgment, right? In a world of Twitter where everything is black and white. Um, And you're either on the wrong side or you're on the right side. Mm -hmm. And that's not actually right. Is it like we, as you said, just existing as humans creates a carbon footprint Mm -hmm. and um, we have a planet to protect and we have children's futures to think about. And uh, I, yeah, I just, I think I just wanted to honor the fact that, you know, he came on here and was really open about that, that there is nuance and debate in everything. Um, And, uh, and yes, you know there's there's decisions you const- constantly have to make and weigh up against each other.
1: Totally, and he and he didn't say it right. We don't know for sure that he's been on the receiving end of of criticism, and I certainly haven't scoured the web for it. But I think your instinct strikes me as exactly right that he would have taken some fairly unnuanced criticism and been called out potentially as as a hypocrite but he did that 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 moment where he started to talk about the just how he makes decisions now about which race he goes to and which one is important or not important you you kind of could hear that that values sorting had sort of been going on for okay. him and he clear mm-hmm. as you say he clearly reflected on that and he's come to a sort of a stance and a position that he's happy to go out there and and represent and reflect and it's one that felt in tune with me it feels Feels like a reasonable position um, mm-hmm. that, you know, can't, no, no, nobody's perfect, but he's doing what he can and he's yeah. thought through his, his stance.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's where we come to our first ever Run Alive Go Do. Um, mm-hmm. And it's about the importance of values and working them out and what they are um, and uh, actually sitting down and maybe writing them out. So that if you're not sure what your values are, maybe this is a little exercise that you could do in the next week or so um and just t- set some time aside and um you know try and consider that and, and write them up how do we go about doing that Gary?
1: absolutely yeah um i think it's super first of all just to underline the importance of what you said that you're, you're going to face situations where you need to make decisions and make judgments and if you've done some earlier thinking about what really matters to you i.e your value something that you hold to be important um, it can be super, super helpful, and um, it can also be quite hard, as, as you say. So, what we, um, what I'd suggest is you maybe get a little assistance in the in the the process, and that might look like um, something we're going to include in the show notes, just a little um, link on somewhere on the web where there's a list of uh, fifty common personal values. You might be able to go there, scour those values, and do a little kind of personal ranking exercise, and say, well, which which of these really speak to me? What might be my top five, and what would I really, really put at the top of that list? That can be a great way of sort of sorting through what can feel like an absolute uh, jungle of things that are important to you and get it down to a bit of a, a tighter list and frame it for yourself.
0: So, we're looking for five values. How do I know that something's a value or just something that I care about?
1: That's a great question. I would say something that you value is of particular importance to you. And one way that you can sort of figure that out in your everyday life is if you've ever had a a reaction or a strong response to something that's happened, that can often be because a value that you hold has potentially either been transgressed or has been particularly honored. So as part of this little reflection exercise, you might also just want to go back and think, well, have there been some times over the last couple of weeks where I've been either annoyed or upset about something or felt bothered or triggered or have I had real moments of kind of joy and delight and that might give you an idea about the things which really matter to you and you can start to dig into what was at the bottom of that situation if there was something that was important to me what was it
0: nice okay so this week I'm going to make some time Sit down with my pen and paper. Mm. I'm going to look at this core values list. The core values list is from James Clear, right? James Clear, yeah, absolutely. Habits, Um, so well known. That was going to help me sift through things that you know really hit hit close to my heart. Um, And I'm going to come up with my five habits. What do I do then?
1: And then I think the thing to do is to just maybe just reflect on them a bit and just sort of solidify them in your mind because as we talked about you're going to come across situations in in everyday life you'll have some decisions to make you might even be weighing a significant decision now so just take a bit of time to reflect solidify them and also think about is there a situation at the moment that isn't sitting with me brilliantly is there something that when i look at this values list i'm thinking I'm either not behaving in a way that I'm completely happy with or the direction of travel of this situation I'm in is not where I'd ideally like it to be. So just have a little think, see maybe what's not aligned to to your values and then take the courage to think about "Mm, what could I do about that if I was moved to change the direction of travel of things.
0: Mm. Fabulous. Okay, so sit down, work out your values and then just do a little bit of a self-assessment, self-critique. What's the one thing I could do this week to maybe uh, move one of those or move some of my behavior nearer in line with one of my values?
1: That's it. And you know what, actually, you've just used the great word. You've used the word nearer. Let's let's bring it back to Damien. This is about progress, not perfection. You don't have to nail this. You can't. You're you're not perfect. None of us are. Um, But can you move yourself just that little bit closer to the things that feel truly important to you? See what there is there and have a go at doing that
0: oh that's that's brilliant and i think something really practical uh, for everyone listening to this to go away and try and do this week we would love to hear how that went let us know on social media instagram or linkedin We'd love to connect with you there
1: thanks ed i really enjoyed that the first episode of the run alive podcast our next episode is with elite physiotherapist and athletics coach alex o'gorman and we'll be looking at lifelong learning in the service of others That comes out on the 29th of April and then we'll be releasing a new episode every Friday after that.